Yanks are coming. The Yanks are coming. To the prestigious Royal Ascot meet, that is. We'll talk with trainer Bill Mott, who'll send Turf Classic winner Yoshida across the pond. And we'll hear some royal stories from a man who's been around Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth and her husband, Prince Philip. It's a royal edition of In the Gate coming up next. They're in the gates. They're about to move in. They roll side. And they're off. As they move to the top of the stretch, it's a hit-bombing finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us on the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. One of the highlights of the racing year worldwide is the five-day Royal Meeting at Ascot Racecourse. This year, Royal Ascot begins on Tuesday, June 19th. Oh, by the way, our next podcast will emanate from there on that day. Yes, we're going to Royal Ascot. And last year, a record number of American trainers did as well. Five U.S.-based trainers entered 14 horses over the five days. Remember, there are only six races a day. That's 30 races total. So the Americans had quite a presence. One of the highlights for the American contingent this year will be on that first day. Lady Aurelia will go for a third straight win at the meet when she attempts to defend her title in the King's Stand. Wesley Ward, who trains Lady Aurelia, basically pioneered Americans going over to Ascot in this modern day. He even got to meet William and Kate last year. They presented the winning trophy for the King's Stand. Ward has won six races in his career at the Royal Meeting, and he's got a slew of runners going this time. But earlier on that first day, trainer Bill Mott will make a rare appearance at Ascot with a horse that's got a big chance to take down the one-mile Queen Anne Stakes. Here's Yoshida, three wide by the quarter pole, top of the stretch. It's Yoshida in front. Yoshida takes charge at the top of the stretch. Beach Patrol has to battle back. Beach Patrol's doing just that, though. Yoshida half-length lead. Beach Patrol trying to get by from second. They're at the final 16th. Yoshida in front. Beach Patrol still second as they come to the wire. And Yoshida wins the Turf Classic by a length on the wire. This will be trainer Bill Mott's second appearance at Royal Ascot. He brought Long on Value last year, who finished 12th of 18 in the Diamond Jubilee Stakes on the meet's final day, Saturday. What has he learned from that experience that might benefit Yoshida? Well, we have trainer Bill Mott with us right here, so we might as well ask him. Of all the races that you could have considered for the Turf Classic winner, Mr. Mott, what made you decide on the Queen Anne at Royal Ascot? Well, we just thought that he's a talented horse, and we thought that he would have international appeal as a stallion if he would go over there and run well. He's very well-bred, and we thought maybe he could be, you know, if he makes a good showing of himself, he might be uh, looked at as maybe a dual-hemisphere-type stallion. The Turf Classic win, how is how does that fit in the arc of his progression in the last few months? Well, it was good. I mean, we went into it, and I mean, we certainly weren't overtrained going into the race. We wanted to use it as a stepping stone going into the the Queen Anne, and and we felt the timing was good. We used that. We, you know, I think it gave us five or six weeks till we had to run it at Ascot. So the the timing was good. Gave us enough time to recover from the from the race at Churchill. So we just thought that was that was the spot. What do you think has led to the 
increased presence of American horsemen at the royal meeting in recent years? Oh, I'd say, you know, Wesley Ward, <laughs> Mark Cassie. You know, I think they've gone over and they've had some success. Graham Motion, you know, has gone over. I believe they they are making sure that we're aware of some of the races that are available and, and some of the horses that they think could fit their, their races. So they, they give us, you know, little reminders. They've got an international racing bureau that, you know, has Steve Nagler working for him, and he kind of keeps an eye out, you know, what horses that could possibly fit some of the races. Now, of course, running overseas means running without Lasix. How much of a concern is that for you? Mm, none, none whatsoever, really. I mean, we, you know, I guess we don't have to make any arrangements to give him Lasix. That's pretty simple. You're obviously no stranger to, to shipping overseas, Paradise Creek, losing by a nose in the Japan Cup, and then, of course, two years later, the Great Cigar winning the inaugural Dubai World Cup. What's different about going to the royal meeting as opposed to anywhere else? Well, I mean, there's a lot of hype. I mean, the entire country is sort of geared up about it. The Queen goes, I believe, most every day, I believe. And uh, she presents some of the trophies, and I think that's, you know, there's a lot of people, particularly the connections from over there, that are really thrilled about it. I mean, that's a big deal for them. It's a big deal for us. Trainer Bill Mott joining us here on In the Gate. He'll send out Yoshida in the Queen Anne. And, of course, Yoshida, like just about every other major stakes horse in this country, is owned by Windstar Farm. Now, what do they tell you about how they determine which horses go to whom? Obviously, they split their horses among many trainers, including some horse named Justify. Uh, I have nothing to do with that. I mean, I just wait for the van to pull up and see what comes off. So, Elliot Walden, Dave Hanley... You know, Mr. Trout, Kenny Trout, I'm sure he has a final say in it or approves it, but uh, I, I'd say Elliot Walden seems to do most of the most of the handicap in there. Do you allow yourself just a little bit of pleasure to go with business when you're over there? Well, we did last year. We went for a few extra days and we spent uh, we stayed in Newmarket, which was a really great experience for me. I mean, because that's the main training center. You know, all the, 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 the big trainers are there with the big stables and the, you've got like four different main sections, one on each corner of town that they train in, depending on where you're stabled. And it, it was very impressive, you know, because it's a lot of, uh, a lot of real estate that they've dedicated to the training of these horses. I mean, it, acres and acres. The last time I was in Newmarket, I actually saw a groom leading a horse from the Rowley Mile across town to a trainer's yard, right through town, a horse that was going to race the next week. Could you imagine ever doing something like that? Well, yeah, I could. If I was training over there, you'd do it. But, uh, it, you know, they, their their horses are used to it, and the riders are used to it, and the people, the townspeople are used to it. I mean, when horses are crossing the street, they, they stop. I mean, it's, it's you know, they have the courtesy to stop and wait and not roar their engines. I think when the horses have finally crossed, I mean, we run into that sometimes in Saratoga. There'll be a line of cars, you know, when they're crossing the road and people are getting aggravated and upset. But over there, I think they it's, it's more of a lifestyle, really, over there. Well, I will be there opening day of the Royal Ascot meeting. I can't wait to see you in your morning suit again. Thank you so much for a few minutes. Okay, thank you. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, a man who has not been to Royal Ascot but has spent considerable time with Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. What was it like to have lunch with them? We'll tell you when we come back.
Welcome back to In the Gate. I have never met Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, and I don't see that happening this year when I go to Royal Ascot. But since we're talking about the royal meeting on this show, we thought we'd reach out to someone who has spent time around Her Majesty and Prince Philip. And we have found such a person. He's Alan Balch, the executive director of the California Thoroughbred Trainers. He's held so many positions in both the thoroughbred and the equestrian worlds that it would take a month just to list them all. Mainly through his equestrian connections, he's gotten to know Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. So what better time to welcome Alan Balch here to Win the Gate? Let's start with the obvious. What are Her Majesty and Prince Philip like? (laughs) Well, Prince Philip, I first met him in uh, 1980. He was president of the International Equestrian Federation, uh, FEI it's called. Each Olympic sport has an international federation. And um, I was involved in getting the uh, Olympic equestrian events to be held here at Santa Anita. So I was trying to be in touch with him because he was president of the FEI. And it's a long story. But basically, uh, when I got to London, there was supposed to be a, an appointment arranged for me. And it hadn't been. So I called Buckingham Palace just uh, blindly and happened to get through to his office, and within a matter of hours, they set up an appointment for me to come to the palace to meet with Prince Philip, and uh, that just shows how down-to-earth he is. It's pretty amazing that on the basis of a phone call a few hours before, he met with me, and I was a very young guy then, and he'd done all his homework on Santa Anita, knew all about, he could name the streets around here, and knew all about the track and what, what our plans were for the games. And uh, we uh, what was supposed to be a 15- or 20-minute meeting ended up being an hour or so. And that was the start of, well, I wouldn't be presumptuous enough to call it really a friendship, but we've certainly been acquainted all these years and have kept in touch over time. And uh, I just saw him a few weeks ago after his hip operation at Royal Windsor, where he was uh, recovering from that and driving his Range Rover. And I just had a a knee replaced, so we were a couple of old men talking about our physical therapy. <laughs> now he's only ninety six. Well, he's he's ninety he's ninety seven right around now. Now I know he's curtailed his public appearances due to his hip surgery. I mean, how is he doing? Oh, I think he's he's doing great. I mean, when people ask me how he looks and how he is and everything, I ask him how many ninety seven year old guys do you know. But he's obviously way up there, but his mind is very sharp, and I think he's, for 97, very physically fit. Anybody who watched him at the—I saw him the week before the fancy wedding, and when he got out, he wasn't carrying a stick or any kind of assistance, and uh, he moved very well and looked good and fit and well-dressed, and as he usually or always does, and so he's doing fine. And he certainly—I talked to him for the better part of an hour uh, that— the previous Saturday, and he was at his usual great sense of humor and right on top of everything, and uh, we traded a lot of old stories from 30 or 40 years ago, so it was a lot of fun. Now, I know that we all know that racing is not his thing, it's the Queen's thing, but I know when I go with my wife to do something that she loves that I may not necessarily. I at least get into the moment and enjoy it along with her so that she has a better experience. What about Prince Philip and the Queen? Oh, I'm sure they're that way, too. I mean, what they do share is a love of horses. His thing about racing is he's always been much more, you know, he wants to ride. He played polo forever. 
And when he stopped playing polo, he wanted to do something else where he could really be active. And he basically invented the international sport of driving, carriage driving through obstacles and all kinds of things. Of course, he goes to the races. Of course, he understands everything there, you know, is to understand about racing. But she's so into the pedigrees and the sport and all the history of things. And it's not his thing as much. But of course, he goes to Ascot with her. I mean, we all see the pictures of it and so forth. He accompanied her when she came to the Kentucky Derby in 2008. We were in touch then because I was trying to arrange some other sort of non-racing things for him to do around Kentucky. I lived there at the time. And at the last minute, that didn't quite work out. But he invited me to come to their dinner in uh, Washington the following couple of days later after the the day after the state dinner they had a return dinner at the british embassy so he's into horses she's into horses and i'm sure she talks to him a lot about it and he to her no doubt and of course one of the things he's proudest of is that uh he's the only president of an international equestrian federation or an international sports federation that has both been president of the federation and competed in the world championships uh in an in an event uh, at the same time. And of course, their daughter, Princess Anne, was an Olympian. And and his granddaughter, Princess Anne's daughter, Zara Phillips, has been a world champion in eventing. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of familial activity, pride, interest in, in the sport. And Princess Anne, of course, was so involved in the Olympic Games at London in 2012. And, and that, uh, most people will say, was probably the the greatest Olympics that's been held. Uh, it was a fantastic uh, games, and particularly for equestrian sport. Do we know whether Prince Philip will accompany Her Majesty this year to Royal Ascot? You know, I've, I've been wondering that myself. I don't know because he's pretty selective now on what he does, but I think, as you just said, <laughs> they'll talk together, husband and wife, and they'll decide. I mean, he certainly knows it's critically important to her. On one of his birthdays not too long ago, I sent him a gicle of one of the Munnings, the original Munnings we used to have here at Santa Anita that he had admired during the 84 games. And when I was then at, at Ascot, not Royal Ascot, but a meeting in, in the wintertime, there it was in the in the Ascot Authority box. So he's, uh, you know, he's very interested in the Ascot Authority. And when they do go to the races, he has an office there behind the Royal box and can get some work done and everything else. So it's it's not all just pomp and pageantry. There's plenty of other responsibilities they have. Alan Paltz, the executive director of California Thoroughbred Trainers, is with us here on In the Gate. Now, speaking of pomp and pageantry, I mean, we know the royal meeting is all full of that, the carriage entrance, the trumpets, the whole thing. But I've heard that on some random day, Queen Elizabeth might show up at a place like Newbury with just one bodyguard and make a day of it. What do you know about that? Well, I'm I'm sure she does. I happened to go to Newbury one day a couple of years ago, just on the spur of the moment, and Princess Anne was there. Same type of thing. Sure, she loved the races. Uh, when I was invited to and greatly honored to sit next to her at lunch at Windsor during the Royal Windsor Horse Show one year, a couple of years ago, we got to talking about racing, of course. And, you know, that's this is her thing. I mean, she she was that day. She'd been having showing some of her breeding stock at the show. And we were talking about the judging. We were talking about some training issues she had. And it was, you know, she's she's into it. I mean, she loves to go out and uh, watch her horses gallop. And 
she was telling me, you know, from a distance, it's, you know, trying to figure out exactly what's going on and who's doing what, but it's, it's a passion for her. And she loves that side of it, not just the racing side. Obviously she's, everybody knows she's very much into the pedigrees, the breeding. Uh, she loves to see the horses come along and succeed. And she's had, you know, her share over the years of, of winners. She, what is it like to talk to Queen Elizabeth about horse racing? I mean, does she sound like somebody you'd hear on TVG? I mean, what is she, what is it like talking with her? Well, uh, at first, it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> I mean, in my particular case, I had no idea that I would be seated next to her, and so I'd had a few pops, and then I had to sober up in a hurry and try to look at where the silverware was. But Oh, no. no, she, no she, she's, uh, she is... Uh, you know, so uh, down to earth, everybody talks about her sense of humor and she immediately puts you at ease and she very quickly finds out what you have in common. And then she's, then it's just like talking to a nice friend and uh, she's always interested in the news. And in fact, we, that particular day, we had a uh, discussion about the trainer insurer rule and the responsibilities of owners versus trainers and how it varies by jurisdiction and so forth and you know she's interested in in all the issues of the day and it's really very pleasant to be able to talk to someone who you you know you respect not and not even mainly because she's the queen of england but because she knows her stuff and and that's prince philip too he knows his stuff they take it extremely seriously and they want to really be completely informed now, obviously, at age 92, Queen Elizabeth is closer to the end of her story than the beginning. This meeting, Royal Ascot, has been going on since 1780, so it's been through a number of different monarchs, but few, I think, that were quite so fervent about the sport as she is. What do you think happens to Royal Ascot once she's no longer the queen? Well, uh, obviously, that wouldn't be something I'd talk to them about, but I know, of course, she and everybody who follows racing knows how intimately she was involved in the reconstruction of Ascot and and improving it even after it was done and how concerned she is about every aspect of it. But you're right. I mean, all those of us who love racing do uh, have some concerns going forward because the royal family members to come certainly do not seem to have anywhere near her level of interest in the sport. I mean, in a way, who could? I mean, she's more interested in it even than her than her mother was, and uh, the queen mother, uh, up until her very last few months, I think, was very, very interested in racing. In fact, I know she was, and very intent on going to the races all the time she could. So nobody knows, I guess, is the only answer to that. Let's hope that it continues to be a, a big part of the sport because I know if you've been over there, I'm sure you have. It's you know, one of the great things about it is everybody is talking racing. And that is really a pleasure for those of us who love the sport. It's been a heck of a spring for the Royal family, a baby, a wedding, and <laughs> what the queen probably cares about most of all, Royal Ascot is coming. And thank you so much for sharing some stories with us about it. My pleasure, Barry. Our thanks to Alan Balch and to Bill Mott. It's a lesson anyone could take in any walk of life, acknowledging what you do well and what you don't. A gravelly-throated man should not be voicing lipstick commercials. If you try to succeed by being too versatile, you won't. 
Bob Baffert used to train quarter horses in Arizona and California. The thoroughbreds he buys now are a similar type. They are usually on the muscle and show lots of early speed. Their bodies have a similar phenotype. Bob Baffert doesn't train many horses who run on turf or synthetic. With his background, he can't locate the best ones. And not all of Baffert's champions have come from regal breeding. Silver Charm and Real Quiet gave him memorable runs. Now Baffert has a pair of triple crowns in four years' time with American Pharaoh, and now with Justify. The lesson is to play to your strengths. You can't do everything well. Do one thing great, and your limit is the sky. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching "In the Gate Podcast." You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to "In the Gate" in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In the Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In the Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.